Church family, happy Father's Day. In his book, Being Dad, Father as a Picture of God's Grace, Scott Keith wrote, When things are basically good between a father and his children, almost everything else in a child's life is basically good too. When there's no battle to be fought between a father and his children, the children receive a wonderful, freeing gift. A good father's children receive the gifts of grace, peace, and freedom. In other words, earthly fathers have a kind of power. Earthly fathers have powerful resources to give their children grace, peace, and freedom. Earthly fathers have the capacity to breathe life into sons and daughters. We have the power to encourage, the power to build up, the power to affirm. And I'm not just talking about when our children are under our roofs. I'm talking about their whole lives. So I want to talk about the power of fatherhood today. And especially as we think about the Lord's Prayer, the title of our message is, When a father prays, our father. When a father prays, our father. Now, I understand how Father's Day can trigger difficult emotions for some who have not received these gifts from their fathers. And I also understand how a Father's Day sermon can be used as a club to beat dads into doing more and trying harder. I want to acknowledge those concerns while, while at the same time encourage us. I want, to, I want to encourage each father to be the kind of father who prays our father. To be the father who stands tall when stooping in prayer. Who leads in excellence when leaning in humble service. Who expresses strength in confessing weakness. Who speaks loudest when whispering grace and truth. The kind of father who prays our father is the father who knows who God is and therefore he knows who he is. And I say the greatest gift a father can give his family, his children, his grandchildren is the gift of praying our father, our father who art in heaven. See, it's more than a prayer. It's a way of life. The the Lord's prayer is more than a prayer life. It is a praying life. So here's my question for us today. What happens when a father prays our father? What's that father doing? Well, I submit that when a father prays our father, that father performs four significant actions. He's making a decision, declaring a trust, assuming a mission, and affirming his true family. Making a decision, declaring a trust, assuming a mission, and affirming his true family. Let's talk about each of those significant actions. The first being, he's making a decision. When a father prays our father, that father is making a decision that he wants to be like God. You see, the the Gospel of Matthew places the Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is a portrait of a Christ follower. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is calling us to the lifelong journey of being like our Heavenly Father. 
Matthew 5, 48 says, Be perfect, therefore, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, let's talk about perfect for a moment. Perfect in this context does not mean sinlessness. It means, it means undiluted, whole, complete, mature, finished, uh, topped off. Jesus is saying to every disciple, every father, I want you to be unique and extraordinary. I want you to be remarkable. I want you to be brimming. Anybody can go the first mile. I want you to go the second. Anyone can give their coat. I want you to give your shirt too. Anyone can take a slap on one cheek. I want you to turn the other. Anyone can love your neighbor. I want you to love your enemy. Anyone can listen to another person's story about how, how their life has been marked with discrimination and distrust due to the color of their skin. But what I want is for you to listen and ponder and not be dismissive and not interrupt and not get defensive and not feel like you have to have the last word. I want you to be more than a polite listener. I want you to be a safe person. I want you to be a safe harbor. Will you be a harbor in someone else's storm? Will you be someone else's shelter? You see, that's being like the Father. And then will you affirm someone else's lived experience even if it's not yours? Will you exemplify that before your family and friends and flock? Now that is remarkable, Jesus says. Be perfect even as your heavenly Father is perfect. I want you to brim with the life of your heavenly Father. Be totally committed to do the will of God our Father. To pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, has to begin with my heart and my life. And that makes the most important person in your family, not the father and the children, and not the father and the children's mother, but rather it is the father and his heavenly father. So fathers, give your gift, uh, give your children rather, the gift of seeing God's face through your decision to be like your heavenly father. Make a decision to be like the father. That's the first significant action. The second significant action is about a father who declares a trust. The, the father who prays our father is declaring a childlike trust in God. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, our father in heaven. Now, we're 20 centuries removed from when Jesus spoke these verses. But in the, in the first century, when people, uh, when uh, pagans, when the Gentiles prayed to their deities, see, their theory was that the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And so they would pile their prayer invocations one on top of another, these honorific titles to false gods. And, and the Gentiles offered these extended invocations. Oh, great God. Zeus, God of the land, God of the sea, God of the air, God of the sun, God of the moon, God of the corn, God of the soybean. They would heap up these 
phrases after phrases, thinking that if they hit the right combination, like a case-sensitive password on a computer, they would crack the code and open up the program. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard by their many words. Jesus isn't saying, keep your prayers short and sweet. He's saying you don't need to start your prayers the way the Gentiles do, assuming that you need to soften up your heavenly Father. The Lord's Prayer has a one-word invocation. In the Greek, the first word in the Lord's Prayer, pater, pater, father, father. And what follows are six requests, three concerning God, three concerning us. And, and the point is that we need not begin prayer trying to flatter an egocentric God with a roster of religious names along with a catalog of his activities just to get his attention. Prayer is not like picking a lock or cracking a code. Prayer is a conversation with God who is a loving parent committed to giving his children only what is good. Prayer is a need finding a voice. It is fatigue looking for relief. It is loneliness seeking intimacy. It is fear desiring protection. It is guilt wanting forgiveness. It is hunger seeking bread. And it is the anticipation that we will receive all that we need from the one who loves us most. So when you say, Father of ours, you need not forget, uh, or you need not fret about forgetting some key name for God any more than children worry about ceremonially addressing their parents when they are happy or hurting. So the other day, I had a group of pastors over for lunch, and after our time together, they uh, left. Well, just after they left, my little four-year-old granddaughter, Audrey, came in with Sarah. And the first words out of her mouth were, are the gentlemen still here? And I said, no, Audrey, they just left. We just missed them. And she said, well, good. Because I did not want to have to deal with them. <laughs> now, I love that because it's just, it's just pure authenticity. Is that not a lesson about our prayer life in Christ? You, you just call God Father. You've come to the safety of the Father. You've come to a father who knows your needs before you come to him in prayer. Listen, uh, Samson Uitanlet is a scholar and pastor in the Philippines. And in his commentary on Matthew, he wrote, Prayer is not a means for us to inform God of something he does not know. Prayer is a means for us to know the God whom we would not know except when we pray and acknowledge Him for who He is. 
And Jesus says, here is who he really is. You've come to God who sees what you do in secret and will reward you accordingly. You've come to the God who wants to forgive your sins. You've come to the God who cares for creation. He makes breakfast for birds and clothes the grass of the field. He knows the number of hairs on your head. If the father knows when a sparrow falls, he knows your hurt. And hear me, church. When enemies come to threaten your life, you have nothing to fear. The worst thing an earthly enemy can do is kill you and then they're done. But your father, our father, is never done. He will protect his children from eternal death. Our Father will not let death defeat His beloved children. So will you trust Him? Fathers who say our Father, make a decision and declare a trust. And then they perform another action. They make a decision, they declare a trust, and then they assume a mission. When a father prays our father, he is assuming God's global mission. Now, the first time the scripture speaks of the fatherhood of God, we read it in the book of Exodus. It's when Moses marched into Pharaoh's office and stood boldly before this world leader. Thus says Yahweh, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Let my people go that they may serve me. So the idea of God as father is to have this hope for freedom. The slaves were called to be sons. And when Jesus tells us to call God father, if we're listening and getting the message, we will be hearing about a new exodus in Christ, through Christ, and because of Christ, we are going to be free at last. Pharaoh's grip is broken. Freedom is at hand. So the very first word of the Lord's Prayer is not just a term of intimacy. It is a term of revolution. It's not just kinship. Oh, it's that, but it's more than that. It's hope. God has promised that one day a child will reign over an invincible, eternal kingdom. The Messiah will come. And in Luke chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus said, The kingdom of God is in your midst. And why? Because the king is in your midst. And with the king comes the kingdom. He's come. Jesus has come. And his liberating work frees us from bondage. So to pray our Father is to confess that we are liberty people. We are a messianic community. Our primary identity is in relationship to the Messiah. This is our prayer. We want your will done. We want your kingdom agenda in every aspect of life. God's kingdom agenda is the visible demonstration of his comprehensive rule over every area of life. And Jesus offers freedom from a power greater than Pharaoh, greater than Assyria, greater than Babylon, greater than Persia, Greece, Rome, even greater than the freedoms afforded in America. Jesus offers freedom from sin, freedom from guilt, 
Freedom from shame. Freedom from regret. Freedom from a past which I'm powerless to change on my own. The first word from the Lord's prayer says, Father, let your freedom begin now and let it be us, Father, our Father. Jesus came to bring final deliverance from evil, to bring about God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And that's in the word Father. And it appears through the work and redemption of his firstborn son, Jesus. When Jesus said, our Father, it meant that he would be leaving his home and his family because the Father was calling him to his chosen vocation. Christ called fishermen to become fishers of men. And Jesus himself, a carpenter who made wood and nails, accomplished the real exodus through a wooden cross. Hear me. Calling God Father is more than a comfortable lakeside retreat taking notes in a personal journal. For to call God Father would cost Jesus his life. And to call God Father is a commitment to trust God in the dark. In Gethsemane. When the Father seems distant and silent. Jesus prayed in the garden, Father, is this the way? Really? Must I drink this cup of suffering? In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 says, Although he was the Son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. In his final prayer from the cross, Christ cried out, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. So, so to say Father has to be more than a sweet devotional thought. It is pledging yourself to God. It is sharing and bearing the pain of this world. It is suffering and it is death and it is crucifixion. And if we are to be messengers, agents, ambassadors, fathers of our families, then they need to see us Learning obedience, even in suffering. To call God Father means that we're not quite sure what He's going to demand of us. When you call God Father, you are making a commitment to an unknown future. To call God Father is an act of holy boldness. It is self-crucifixion for the sake of others. Fathers who pray our Father live for others. They live for the flourishing of others. Make a decision. Declare a trust. Assume a mission. And finally, fathers who pray our Father affirm their true family. You see, when a father prays our father, it means that whoever else prays our father, well, that person is my brother or sister. If, if another person says our father, then neither the nation in which he was born, the language in which he speaks, their ethnicity, education, or socioeconomic situation keeps us from being family in Christ. 
Paul says in Galatians 3, 28 and 29, there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ, our social and ethnic identities do not make us superior over others in the kingdom. In Christ, an equal portion of Abraham's blessing is for all. For you are all one in Christ. This this does not teach the obliteration of our distinctions. Rather the transformation of our distinctions in Christ. It's a transformation from sinful disunity into selfless unity in Christ, through Christ, because of Christ, and for Christ. Listen, God appears in the display of unity among brothers and sisters in the Lord. God shows us a glimpse of himself in the gift of a congregation that loves one another. And I say this because it is my responsibility as a father, a father to my family and a father to our church family, to set a civil dignified tone worthy of King Jesus. And so here's the tone that I propose for our church family. We are suffering from the cancer of racism within COVID-19. It's an election year. The next few months are going to be stormy in our country. As a society, we're increasingly anxious Anxious for the future, anxious for our loved ones, anxious for our lives, anxious about being misunderstood, anxious about about being labeled. The times are flooded with anxiety. But whatever happens, brothers and sisters, know this. This is our time. God, our Father, has put us here for such a time as this. It's no accident that we're here. This is our time. To think about our community. Many are scared. Many are weary. Many are hopeless. But this is our time. This is our time to hold out the the word of life to those around us. This is our time to give hope to those who fear and worry about what's going to happen. This is our time to trust God no matter what the future brings. And unlike our secular neighbors, we know where our hope lies. And we know where our security lies. And our future is linked to a resurrected king who taught us to pray, our Father. For it's the resurrected king who conquered sickness. The resurrected king who touched lepers and healed them with a word. A resurrected king who conquered death. Who said to Lazarus, come forth. Jesus Christ defeated death, and not just for a time, but forever. Our hope is not in man. The psalmist wrote, Oh, give us help against the adversary, for deliverance by man is in vain. Our hope is with the one who will return to resurrect this world and raise our bodies, the bodies of those who have trusted in him. So church family, there's no need to fear. And there's no need to panic. Instead, we are called to serve those who are filled with fear. 
We are called to give our energy and our time and our lives to serve those who don't yet know him. We are called to display remarkable, poised lives for Christ. We are called to look for ways to be good news as we share good news. This is our time. And when asked why we help, why we share, and why we love, and why we give, let's speak up. Fathers, speak up. Preach. Preach to yourself. Preach to your family. Preach to your children. Preach to your community. Here is why I do what I do. And it begins with these words. Our Father. Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And the church said, Amen.